I am working on CPAP every single day of my waking hours. I am flying to Pittsburgh next month for their conference hearing. And that means that you will always get the most updated information and goings on of this litigation from me. I will always know the latest in the science before any other of the attorneys. The second reason why I personally am a good choice and perhaps in my opinion, the best choice as a lawyer is because I knew about this litigation months before most any other lawyer in the country because I was one of the lucky CPAP users that received a recall letter in June of 2021. I've been using my DreamStation 1 machine for seven years now. It changed my life. I get good sleep at night, but I also can very much relate to the anxiety of do I continue to use this machine? Hey everybody, this is Jeremy Lynch and Landon Harlan from Obu Interactive. Today on the podcast, we'll be speaking with Ava Cavaco, a personal injury attorney at Nye, Goldenberg, Reso, and Vaughn. She specializes in medical and pharmaceutical multi-district litigation, class actions, and medical malpractice. Ava is admitted to practice in the state of Minnesota and the United States District Courts of Minnesota, Michigan, North Carolina, and Georgia. In February 2022, she was appointed by Judge Conti to the leadership steering MDL 3014, the Phillips recalled CPAP, BiPAP, and ventilator litigation. On CPAP, Ava serves as co-chair of the Leadership Development Committee and on the Discovery Committee. Ava, thank you so much for joining us today. So happy to be here. Thank you. So Ava, it's great to have you on the Cases for Causes podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about CPAP machines, particularly the Philips machines, as I understand, that were part of a recall that occurred in June 2021. At this time, it's April 2023. By the time people are listening to this, it'll be May. Can you give us an update and some background on what's happened in what is nearly two years? Sure thing. So... At this point in time, the Phillips CPAP litigation has been consolidated to the Western District of Pennsylvania. The federal courts chose there because that's where Phillips is headquartered, and the leadership has decided to divide the litigation into three tracks, essentially. The first track is the class action track. So we also nicknamed it the economic loss track. So anyone who received a recalled CPAP device and then had out-of-pocket costs for that or out-of-pocket costs for getting a replacement, they would receive a remedy for the money that they spent on the device. The second track is a medical monitoring track, which it has all the requirements of the class action, but that person isn't injured yet. If they, say, get cancer next year or start to have asthma exacerbations in a couple of years, the remedy we're looking for in medical monitoring is that there is a fund put aside where people can go and when they need health care for what they think is caused by the CPAP machine, they can get money from the medical monitoring fund. And then the third track is for people who have already been diagnosed with personal injury claims. We're in the phase of litigation called discovery, which means that we are building our case. Phillips is required to turn over certain documents to us for taking depositions of their employees, really trying to get to the bottom of this lawsuit. 
So let me ask you a couple follow-up questions. So it sounds like this is a massive recall. It's impacting tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands. That's a great question. It's actually probably the largest recall in modern medical device history. There's been over 10 million devices recalled in this litigation. And in terms of devices, CPAP users get a device every five years or so. So 10 million is the amount of devices, but you could attribute maybe two or three devices to a person depending on how long they've been dependent on the machine. But this litigation has the potential to be very large considering there are about 300 filed claims in Pennsylvania and there are 30,000 cases of potential personal injury cases that are on the registry that the leadership has created. And I understand the first track being class actions. The second track essentially is for people who have not developed something cancerous or an injury or illness. And then the third track is for those who already have. So on the second track, that's really interesting. That seems like something a little bit more progressive thinking towards the future. Is that fairly common in a litigation involving a recalled device? It isn't super common, but something about the CPAP user in and of itself is that we found that the latency period or the amount of time that a person uses the CPAP machine is key on whether they are able to be diagnosed with a certain thing. And so some people we think that will eventually develop problems, especially with how Philips, they recall their devices, but there were no new devices for anyone to use. So even though they recalled the devices in June of 2021, many, many users are still using it. And so they still have a longer latency period where they can be diagnosed with the injuries that the device can cause. And then in terms of those three tracks, I understand that you're in a leadership position there. So are you in a leadership position for all three tracks or is there a particular track like say track three for those who have already been harmed by their machines? Is that the one that you're uh, leading and trying to move the litigation through to recover on behalf of your clients? I am on the leadership for all three tracks. You know, unlike people who aren't appointed to a leadership position, I work on all three tracks every single day. Um, I am involved very heavily in the class action track right now because as Phillips has reported to their shareholders this quarter, getting the class action track settled this calendar year is a high priority to them. So we've kind of done a all hands on deck to focus on that and see if we can meet in the middle with a settlement. So Ava, what are potential clients most concerned about when proceeding with a lawsuit? And secondly, how can you and your firm alleviate those concerns? So talking to my clients, there are three concerns that I've seen most often from them. The first is not directly related to the lawsuit, but definitely related to what they are experiencing as a result of the recall. And it's, how can I get a new machine? The last couple of years have been really frustrating for the recalled CPAP users. Because Philips takes up 70 to 80% of the market, there were no replacement machines for people to get when the recall happened. <clears throat> Furthermore, Philips announced their replacement program. And then there was a lot of miscommunication. They haven't pushed out many machines since in the two years. And they also didn't notify a lot of the healthcare providers 
sending these out. So my advice to people is if you don't mind a replacement Phillips machine, absolutely register for the Phillips replacement program right away. It's very easy. You go online, you put a little information about yourself and you're put on a waiting list. If you don't want a Phillips machine, talk to your doctor about options available to you. Because Philips did not do a good job communicating what was happening, I found that many sleep medicine providers want to help their patients and get them a replacement. And so discussing the insurance hurdles and maybe updating your prescription can help you get a device more expeditiously. The second concern I always hear is how long is this litigation going to take? You know, in our line of business, we aren't equipped to guarantee any answers, but I can say with conviction that Judge Conti has assured us that she does not want to see this litigation to go on for like a decade. She has impressed upon both us and Phillips that we work together as much as possible. She wants it done in a few years. She's like, you work towards settlement. She has appointed two special masters, which are basically like mediators to help us through the issues that we're arguing about. And so I can tell you that she will not tolerate if this tries to go on for several years and that Phillips and us, we're doing our best to get at least the class action track done this year. The CPAP recall has obviously been focused on the Phillips machines because that's where the issues were found and occurring. Does the scope of this potentially expand to other CPAP machines and companies? That's a great question. And the short answer is no. And so the biggest cause of the recall is that Philips designed this latest and greatest machine where it was the quietest machine on the market. And the way that they did that was that they wrapped the motor in foam. Because historically, sleeping next to someone with a CPAP machine was like sleeping next to a vacuum. Nobody wanted that. But this phone made it quiet enough to where you could sleep next to your partner uninterrupted. Unfortunately, they used this polyester-based polyurethane foam, which quite frankly was not quality enough to be used in medical-grade devices in which humans have contact with it. And it was very funny when the Phillips recall happened, the other CPAP manufacturers put out statements that was like, we do not use this foam. We actually use a higher grade silicon based foam. So do not worry about us. And I know that there have been studies and a lot of the other companies have been putting them out publicly on purpose to show that they do not have this problem. And so it was truly a Phillips problem. Wow. So like a lot of defective and recall devices, a lower quality of manufacturing often leads to becoming the defective product and then it results in injuries. And we're seeing that same storyline once again with Philips products, right? Yes, unfortunately. Let me ask you a question in terms of time limits to file the case since we're nearing a two-year mark since the recall in 2023 or how much longer will an individual be allowed to take part in the track, such as they have been diagnosed with a cancer that could be due to the use of the recalled Phillips machine, how much longer can someone bring their case or contact you? I have a classic lawyer answer for you, which it depends. 
the amount of time you have to file a case will truly depend on what state you're in, but most states are two-year statutes. And so CPAP leadership has been using the date of discovery as June 2021 when the Phillips Corporation announced their recall. And so two years from then is June 2023. So the time is really coming to a head. And so contacting an attorney right away so we can get your case moving, get your medical records ordered would be most beneficial. So people got to move pretty quick if they're in a two-year state. Absolutely. I know you can go on Google, you can search statute of limitations in Texas, in Florida, wherever you live, and Google will provide you a pretty quick answer. So if somebody doesn't know what it is, it's very easy to figure that out. Ava, can you tell the listeners out there, many of whom probably already have a decent idea on some of the ailments that are caused by the, the Phillips machine. But can you expand on some of the things that they may be experiencing or signs that they can look for if they are a CPAP user? So we've seen that in patients who've been using it for at least a couple of years, these are the things that they've been seeing. With the foam degradation, it causes irritation and inflammation throughout the respiratory system. So sinuses, esophagus, lungs, throat. If some people have new asthma diagnoses or if they have asthma, you know, typically they could have it well controlled, but then now they're having exacerbations and needing breathing treatments or medicine or inhalers in order to get through their day. We've also seen bronchitis and maybe the worst of all injuries is with prolonged use of this machine, Foam degradation can happen at a molecular level. So you can't see the degradation with your own eyes, but the molecules then become kind of like a gas. And there are four compounds in the foam that degrade and are toxic to the CPAP user that can also cause certain cancers like lung cancer, blood cancers, and others that we are currently researching. So many of these users had sleep apnea and were prescribed this machine by their doctor. Sleep apnea causes, without use of a CPAP, causes many of these similar types of bronchial and lung issues. How is the litigation going to work when Phillips is going to probably say, well, these were pre-existing conditions possibly, and they're going to try to get out of the liability caused by their machine. So I was just curious, how do you separate what was possibly caused by the sleep apnea for many years prior to using machine and what the machine actually either exacerbated or caused initially? That's a good point. And truly it comes down to us individually doing a deep dive on each patient. What we've been doing with our clients is that we do in what we kind of call an environmental vetting conversation. Beyond what you were saying, there's a lot of other things like, did you work in a place where you used a lot of cleaning supplies? Because they'll use that as a defense. We see this problem, especially with people who have had asthma and then who got worse asthma. Phillips will argue with us all day. And it's like, how do you know that that just wasn't the normal course of life? And so 
we go through questions about how their life has changed. We look very much at their lifestyle, how this has affected them and whether we can get experts to also jump on this train that like this is a weird trajectory for this patient. And I agree with you that it seems for a long time because people had no idea that CPAP could be a cause, people who were going to the doctor getting chronic asthma exacerbations or chronic bronchitis or chronic infections, you know, because there was no known cause or have been kind of gaslighted into, well, it's probably because you're overweight or it's probably because you have high blood pressure. And I see it in a lot of my patients who were otherwise healthy people, you know, like, oh, I used to go for a walk with my dogs and now I can't even go up the stairs and people would blame them well, blame the patient for these problems when really, is it possible that something that they have been putting on their face for a third of the day causes this? Also, as we build this lawsuit, the CPAP recall letter itself says that we are taking millions of devices off this market and we're trying to replace them at no cost to literally anyone but us because of these issues. You will get shortness of breath. You will have lung irritation. And so it's hard to turn away from that, that any company would make a, a big as a recall as this if it didn't likely cause any of the issues that they put on the recall letter. So Ava, I know there's a lot of law firms that people have seen online, television commercials, Facebook ads, all over social media. What are some of the things that make you different from those other attorneys and lawyers who are advertising for cases and that quite honestly, a lot of people are concerned about contacting them? So there are two main reasons that I think a potential CPAP client should go with me. The first is that there are many advantages to choosing an attorney that is on the litigation leadership itself. You know, some folks are taking CPAP cases along with their motor vehicle accidents and their slip and falls. I am working on CPAP every single day of my waking hours. I am flying to Pittsburgh next month for their conference hearing. And that means that you will always get the most updated information and goings on of this litigation from me. I will always know the latest in the science before any other of the attorneys. And my firm also has a practice where we send out a quarterly update letter to you and I will put together a detailed description of what's going on in the three tracks of the litigation itself. And I will update you on your individual case and what the next steps are. The second reason why I personally am a good choice and perhaps in my opinion, the best choice as a lawyer is because I knew about this litigation months before most any other lawyer in the country because I was one of the lucky CPAP users that received a recall letter in June of 2021. I've been using my DreamStation 1 machine for seven years now. It changed my life. I get good sleep at night, but I also can very much relate to the anxiety of, do I continue to use this machine because I can't get a replacement. You know, I would get calls from people saying, you don't understand what it's like. And I, I truly, truly do. The frustration of how Philips has handled how to get replacements into people's hands 
I am still waiting for a replacement machine. And I got involved in this litigation because I knew it was bad news and that somebody needed to understand how this was going to affect people because sleep health is so important to all of these users. So Abel, what is the message for lawyers who may be considering or getting inquiries about CPAP cases and are kind of on the fence for if they want to take that case on or those cases on and maybe looking to find another lawyer whom they can refer the case to? My firm and the attorneys here at Nye Goldenberg, Raso and Bond have a strong history of being leaders on litigations and in the mass tort space have a proven track record for getting these cases over the finish line. And we are more than happy, us, our support staff, our client managers, to help you with taking on the mass torts cases or CPAP cases. If you're a plaintiff's attorney and you get a Philip CPAP call and you don't want to turn them away and you're looking for a place that you can trust to refer it to, absolutely give me a call. You can call me, email me, LinkedIn me. I'm on all of the things. And I am working on CPAP all day. And then I put a CPAP machine on my face and go to sleep all night. But truly, I strive with all of my referral contacts to keep you updated just as much as your client. We send you copies of all correspondence that gets sent to them so you can also know what's going on in their case and what's going on in the case. And if you ever need to get in contact with me, I'm always happy to chat CPAP. And so feel free to take these calls. Don't turn them away. We can work on them together. Thank you so much for joining us today on Cases for Causes, Ava. It was great to talk to you. It was so fun to be here. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, Landon. Again, I want to thank Ava so much for joining us today. We truly appreciated her coming on and sharing her expertise. If you want to find out more about Ava or Nye, Goldenberg, Raso, and Vaughn and the work they do related to CPAP litigation, you can visit their website at nygoldenberg.com or check them out on Instagram at nygoldenbergracevaughn. I also want to thank all of you out there for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of Cases for Causes, and you'd like to help support the podcast, please smash that subscribe button, share it with others, post about it on social media, and always leave us a rating or review. To catch all the latest from Obu Interactive, you can follow us on Instagram at Obu Interactive or visit us at obuinteractive.com. Thanks again, and until next time, work passionately, live peacefully.